tell me where in the world is crime in San Diego. Welcome back. This is Larry Meliette's uh, preliminary hearing update day number four, Tuesday, January 17th. All right, guys, today was a long day in court. We started with Pablito Talabanza, who is Maya's dad. He did have a translator, so it did take a little longer than some of the other witnesses. Um, he did spend a good five hours on the stand today. So I want to say at least half of the day was spent with him. Yeah. He had a quite long day, but he basically stated that in 2020, Larry began to call him a lot more often than usual, and it was for help with Maya. He would insist that he wanted him to like talk to Maya and give her advice about like working on the marriage, but he never asked for advice for himself or like, you know, like, how can you help me? He would just be like, you need to talk to Maya. You need to talk to Maya. Like. And at one point, her dad was just kind of like, you know what? I've said everything I need to say. Like, I'm done being in the middle of this. It's between you guys. But he did say that, like, they were always fighting. Like, he was very aware of that. He said Christmas of 2020, Larry would spend the day outside, upset, with his arms crossed, like, just shut off to everybody. And Maya was inside of the family. So she was happy. She was with her siblings. She was with her parents. Like, she was having a great time. A few months before, though, there was an instance and he can't quite remember what the occasion was, but it was a family reunion or function in Moreno Valley, which is where Mary Chris and Maya's parents live. And he says they were outside in the backyard and Larry out of nowhere taps his waistline and shows him a gun saying, I will kill him or her. And it was so out of the blue that I don't think he even like got what their conversation was going or where it came from. So he kind of like awkwardly laughed and like walked away. But he was so confused by the moment. He didn't even know what to make of it. So he kind of just let it go. But now in hindsight, it definitely stands out as a red flag. On January 4th, Maya's dad says that Maya called him to see if he could babysit the kids later that day, specifically Lazarus, who she called Tristan. Just make a mental note of that because we'll come back to it later. Anyways. This was after they had returned from Glamis from that end of the year Christmas trip. And he says that a little later that day, Larry called him and said, oh, you don't have to worry about coming over anymore. Auntie's going to take care of the kids. And because they live in Moreno Valley, it's not right around the corner. So he's just like, OK, if you guys don't need me, then that's that. And a little while later, Maya called to check up and make sure that they were still on track. And her dad tells her like, oh, Larry called me and said, you guys don't need me anymore. So I wasn't going to go. And Maya got really upset by this news. Like he could hear her frustration and her disappointment. And he said, maybe Larry's mad at me and doesn't want to see my face. And that's why he doesn't want me going over. And he kind of said it as a joke to like try to lighten the conversation. But she was just already caught up in her emotions. And that was the last conversation that she ever had with her dad. Which is just so heartbreaking because those shouldn't be the last words you hear. Or like. I'm sure she was like kind of mad at him for listening and kind of mad at Larry. Just feeling defeated. Yeah. Again, I'm assuming. Who knows? It's 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 very tough because it's like, you know, hey, you hear your daughter's voice for the last time. And it's like, it's out of frustration. It's out of anger. That, and it's not even towards necessarily him, but it's just more the situation. Yeah. 
Well, on January 9th, just like everyone else in the family, JR called his parents to go over to Maya's because something had happened. He didn't say what. He didn't get into details. He just told his parents, you need to be here right away. So around 12 p.m., they arrived to the house. And the first thing, like the house is open. Obviously, people are coming in and out at this point. And Maya's dad asked Larry, where's Maya? And Larry said confidently, oh, she's upstairs. He remembers that Larry's aunt and uncle were in the kitchen with Larry when he walked in. Maya's dad goes upstairs. He knocks on the door. He calls her. He lasts about five minutes just knocking and calling and obviously no response. So he looks at Larry because he's standing right behind him. And he says, by any chance, do you have an extra key? And Larry's like, oh, yeah. And he reaches into his pocket and he opens the door. They walk in and Maya's dad just starts searching the bathroom, the bedroom, the closet, anywhere he can see the like Maya might be in there and maybe she's hurt or she's asleep. Who knows? And Larry goes straight to her work desk to where she keeps her credit cards and says, oh, her credit cards aren't here. And the dad's still searching around and he's just kind of getting frustrated that Larry's so calm. And then he's like, hey, you said she was here. And he's like, oh, maybe she left really early in the morning for like a hike or a jog. He said hike, but Maya's dad understood a jog. To him, they're the same thing. So I can see it. And he's like, you know, like they leave the room. They go downstairs and he's like, or maybe she went with friends. Like, who knows? Like she could have gone anywhere. So then he's like, okay, well, can you, they start calling her phone. Nothing. And then he's like, can you call her friends? And he's like, oh, I don't have their number. Which is really odd because you think if your partner has the same friends all the time, they're usually mutual friends or you'd have like a Facebook, some way to contact them. So he started to get really frustrated with him. At one point, Larry kind of like half hugs him with one arm. And he's like, don't worry, everything will be okay. I wouldn't do that because I love her. Again, one of those statements that like wouldn't do what? But he was just so caught up in the fact that his daughter is missing that he's not like dissecting every word. But Larry's lawyer argues that it wouldn't make sense for Maya to call her dad to babysit if her in-laws were living in the home and they had been babysitting or nannying the kids for like 10 years at this point. So she says that it brings into question his credibility based on the fact that, like, why would they call you to babysit for Moreno Valley if they have live-in parents with them? But the thing is, one, you never know if they're busy or have doctor's appointments or have their own things to do. And two, at this point, Larry's parents had already moved to Texas. So I just thought it was kind of odd that she would bring up an argument when she should have all the information already. Next witness on the stand was Blaine Hinckley. And he was someone who met Maya on a Facebook group, uh, basically the SD Jeep Club. So anybody that owns a Jeep and likes to go off-roading, like-minded people. So he met Maya through, she got added from like a mutual friend and then she joined the group. Their first meetup was December 12th of 2020. And Maya went with her brand new Jeep. She just got in the Jeep Rubicon, the Wrangler. She was like so stoked. It's considered top of the line. Her first time joining people. She was so excited and she took her two girls with her. So like a really fun girls date kind of gives you insight to like what kind of mom she was. But they had a great time. They took tons of pictures. She met a lot of people. And through those friends, she kind of started like getting more familiar with everyone. And she was learning like all the cool things you can add and the fun parts about having a Jeep, how to like control it and be safe. Like she was loving it. It was 
literally her new hobby. And they had a smaller ride out with just four of the members of the group on the 26th, the day after Christmas. And she says on he says that on this one, Larry joined them along with Lazarus. So it was her whole family, him and his kids to one other lady with her son and then one other guy that like kind of just joined. And they had a great time, but Larry wasn't really engaging. And the odd thing is that when they all met up, Larry was sitting in the back seat with his two of his kids and then her daughter was in the front passengers. Which doesn't seem weird, but it is a little odd in hindsight. Another thing he says that it's very common when you're going on these ride outs to take air out of your tires because Adrian, you know this part. Yeah, you take air out of your tires so that that way when you're when you're rock climbing on the on the these trails and and these scaling these mountains and these hills, you get better traction, and it's also a little more softer on on the bumpiness of the ride. If that makes sense. Yeah, you're, that makes sense. You're not making you're not you're not jumping around as 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 rough. Yeah, you're kind of like lower to the ground, so you don't have as much. Exactly. Which kind of made us think back to like the whole Lexus comment of having really low tires if you're out on those kind of roads. Again, it didn't get connected in court. It just like personal thought mm-hmm. from our investigation, from our standpoint. So he did say that Maya had wanted to go somewhere for New Year's Eve to like go to the snow or something, but she had to work and then she had plans with her family. But she had made plans to go on future events with them and they had already been excited to do all sorts of different trails. And like, again, she was just getting started on learning. But any knowledge that anybody could share with her or like tips, she was all about it. You can tell she was like very invested into it. It looked like it was going to be like her new hobby, her new getaway. She had that bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She was really like engaged into the whole uh, Jeep Wrangler buggy and scaling hills and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, that was witness number two of the day. Witness number three was Ryan Culver. And he was one of the responding officers that showed up at midnight on January 10th after the missing persons report. And he's normally a traffic officer, but the detective that took the call from Mary Chris was on light duty. He wasn't allowed to go into the field or to like go out to people's houses. So he called a couple of the officers that were in that area and asked them to go and do the investigation. At least the basics, get to know the family. He did give him a heads up that there was like he had a feeling there was some domestic violence involved. So to treat it that way going in, as in separate the witnesses, make sure they're not near each other to like hear or intimidate one another on what they're saying, um, be extra observant of like the room, any damage, things like that. He says that when he got there, like the house looked like an average house, like it wasn't super messy, but it wasn't super clean. You can just tell it's like a family home. It didn't smell like any sort of like chemicals or cleaning products. You can see the luggage by the door. You can see like the average chaos of having kids. He didn't notice any like recent patches or door damage or anything like that. He did say Larry was very welcoming when he when they got to the house. A lot of times they have to like ask or almost like push to be let in. But Larry was like welcoming. He did show them the phone and that the text message thread only went about like a day or two back. And his partner is the one who actually did the investigation or the interview with Larry the night of. 
So he didn't have any direct information on that. He just says it was him and two other officers that responded. They divided the house in sections and they each searched their own. So for everything he saw, he felt like they didn't miss any major signs. Um, But again, you never know. Yeah. And then during the uh, initial testimony, they asked them, um, where were the kids? And to the officer's knowledge, the kids were asleep in their bedrooms. He did. He did walk around the house. He did walk, you know, but he never bedrooms. asked to see them and he never asked to mm-hmm. speak to them. I mean, you're not going to wake up kids just to be like, are you good? Like, yeah, wasn't what they were there for. The last witness of the day was Genesis, who is Maya's old friend since like 2004, but now sister-in-law. She married her brother, Jr. in 2009. They actually met because Maya and her mom were co-workers. And they kind of just like happen to be seeing each other around. And I don't know if like Maya helped her get a job or she just happened to get a job in the same department as Maya. They didn't really get into detail. But around 2016, they actually became co-workers. And she moved down from L.A. So their first couple months, they lived with Maya and Larry. And then after that, like about four months later, they moved out and got their own place, which was still in their neighborhood, but not with them. And she says that the family is very tight knit. They're very close. They like to do a lot of like camping and trips and just like spend time, like just go do stuff together. Maya's referred to as the organizer or the fun committee for all the trips. She's the one that does the research. She looks up the planes. She books the Airbnbs. She's the one that kind of pushes all these like plans out of the group chat. Larry had been texting her more frequently from January of 2020 to June of 2020. And she did state that Maya had asked her if she could move in with her for a bit because she just needed some space. Maya went on a work trip. And during that work trip, Larry called her consistently. And it was important for her to be involved because she had to work from like 5 a.m. to like who knows what time. But she was very busy and it was a very big deal for her to be like focused and, you know, know what she's doing. And she couldn't do that. She said she wouldn't sleep because Larry would call nonstop and it was just overwhelming. And she felt like she needed space. So from Mother Mother's Day of 2020 about to June of 2020, so like four weeks, she went to go live with her brother, JR. And during this time, Larry would text and say, hey, can you let me know when Maya gets home? Or hey, can you check if Maya's wearing her wedding ring? And that was just some of the examples of the kind of questions, but it definitely made Genesis feel overwhelmed and like she had to track what Maya was doing because Larry was going to ask her. Larry had also called her at one point and let her know that somebody had reported an affair between Maya and her coworker Jamie and that Larry had a meeting with Maya's boss to like figure out how the investigation was going, which is really odd that he was that involved. They worked on the same command, but not on the same team. So I kind of want to guess like different departments, but still in the same building. Um, Kind of the understanding we got, but he was very involved with it. She had no idea an investigation was going on. She had no idea like there was any rumors of an affair or anything. So all these came from Larry that he says he got knowledge of this. The biggest shocker was May 8th of 2020. Larry sent a series of text messages to Genesis. The first one reading, please help me with Maya. She responded, what's going on? Is she at work? He responded, yes, we had a rough morning 
and she said she's done and wants out. Our marriage is on its last leg. I'm scared she's going to actually leave me this time. This when tones get tough, she threatens to leave times. And this is at 10 a.m. or 1030. Um, it just is an example of the kind of conversations that they constantly had repeatedly. And we stopped at this point. Court will begin again tomorrow morning at nine. So we'll see what happens afterwards or where it leads to. But I think it definitely like verifies what everybody else has been saying, that he was very controlling. He was very concerned, quote unquote. With yeah, everything it, she was doing. it really left left us on a cliffhanger. Like really like I was like, oh, my gosh, because I, I started I remember looking at the clock. It's like I was for something. And I'm like, oh, geez. And I left to go get something to drink because we're watching it. You came home and we're watching it. And the next thing you notice, I get I get back and it's just like, what happened? And you're like, that's it. What do you mean that's it? You guys, my life revolves <laughs> around this court. Like at 9 a.m., I join in. I'm streaming live. I take my breaks when the court goes to break. I eat my lunch when they eat their lunch. I listen to it on the drive home. Like my AirPods are either on me or it's playing in my car. Like there's no in between. Yeah. So real quick, uh, there are some... Uh, we're going to we'll call, call them like bloopers. laughable moments. Little little bloopers. Yeah. So Angie, you have a couple. So there was a couple of things. I know it's a heavy topic, but there was a couple of moments that kind of like brought a little laughter. Uh, the first one was when Maya's dad was being asked about babysitting his grandson and like what his name was. He had a moment where he's like, what's that kid's name? And I don't think he realized like the mic was on or he was like thinking out loud and everybody kind of laughed it off. And they're like, oh, do you have a lot of grandkids? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I think his name's Lazaro. And they're like, oh, is it Lazarus? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I, I've called him Lazaro as long, like, since he's been born. And then they're like, oh, what about the name Tristan? He's like, oh, yeah, Maya called him Tristan. That's the kid. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, all this is being translated to the translator. And then yeah. that's when everyone in the courtroom is laughing. It's Which like, made oh it God. even funnier. Even the judge. You can hear the judge laugh. There was another <laughs> moment where Larry's lawyer, Bonita, she says, objection, hearsay. And I can't remember if it was to her own question or it was, but it was a moment where the judge just responded saying, we've been having these kind of comments. It was basically a question of like, oh, in your like your observation, what was their demeanor? The judge's response was, we have been doing this for a week at this point. That is not hearsay. And everybody just kind of like lightly giggled. And the last moment was during Genesis testimony. Uh, she says that Maya and her would communicate through text message or they would go on walks or phone calls. And Genesis is like, oh, she would sometimes take me hiking, which is good for me because I need to exercise. <laughs> like everybody giggled. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, sometimes she would talk to me on MS Teams. And then she realized, I think she was on camera. And she's like, not all the time, though. And then the judge is like, I'm just going to remind you, like, you're under oath. Like jokingly, and there he was like, "Oh yeah, in case works listening." And it was just like a giggle moment. Yeah, it's like you're under oath, but you're also on camera. Yeah, so whatever like, you say, people are gonna see. <laughs> Tread carefully. Yeah, but she's like, "No, not all the time, just sometimes." <laughs> so those were some of the moments that kind of like lighten the mood a little bit, as heavy as this topic is. We will keep you guys up to date on what happens tomorrow. Stay tuned. Tell me, where in the world is crime in San Diego? Hey,